0: podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello there guys, what is going on? Daniel Charles back here again for my rational perspective on Chelsea 2, Everton 2. The good winning run only lasted about a week, as probably expected, and another really frustrating result against the team. Chelsea just simply should be getting maximum points again, and it leaves us going into this international break on a sour note, unfortunately, in a game that it looked like Chelsea... We're going to get away with three points um it wasn't an awful performance and i think the reality of it is it does come down most irritatingly to some individual mistakes and that isn't always the neatest way of assessing a game because i, I think that a lot of people particularly if you have if you're very critical of the current head coach i think want to sort of look in a broader perspective which i think you absolutely can do like I will, in terms of some of the substitutions that were made. But I do think when you look at both goals, particularly the second, I don't know how you look at that other than thinking individual mistakes and individual errors that have cost Chelsea. And as I say, I think as any head coach or just in terms of assessing that, it it doesn't... You know, it doesn't negate sort of for me fully what I sort of felt about the way that game played out in the second half and how Chelsea lost control against a team they should have been dominating. But still, you have to take that into account when we're sort of looking at a broader assessment of things. But the result is still negative. There's no two ways about it. But that... Also doesn't completely dismiss some of the real positives I felt we saw again yesterday. Um, And that's what makes it even more frustrating because I I do feel the level of performance and individual performances have gone up in recent weeks. I I think that's undeniable. I, I do. I think that in terms of this formation looking a lot better, I think in terms of the way Chelsea are passing the ball is a lot swifter. I think we have more repetitive sort of ways of getting into the final third now. And you see players are acting with a lot more confidence. But again, you know, that is going to kind of be swept under the rug by the result. But in an in, in essence, I, you know, it's it's nowhere near what I felt after the Spurs or Southampton games when there was so little to kind of extract from the, those performances. Um. So that's kind of the way I feel. But there's no two ways about it is drop points. And, and in a game that I just feel when you camp against opposition like that, who weren't offering anything for the first 50, 60 minutes, who have very basic ways of getting around you, And I think that you kind of allow Everton the initiative in the final 10-15 minutes. I felt that was a tactical error on the part of Graham Potter and it cost him. So before we get into the team... News or the team lineup and my thoughts on it, and in the way the game played out. If you are new round here, I want to get more Chelsea thoughts and conversations. Hit that like button because it does help new Chelsea fans find the channel. Hit that subscribe button. Hit the notification bell so you don't miss any of the uploads. If you are listening, thank you so much for tuning in. Son of Chelsea is a part of the Ninety Min Podcast Network. So the team lineup. Um, I think I was one away on my predicted lineup. Uh, instead of. Mikhailo Mudrik, who we will get to because, again, he's he's a massive point of sort of contention after this game for not featuring in it. Christian Pulisic came in. But I like that, once again, we're sticking with consistent names in the starting eleven, and I think that's obviously, in my opinion, that's contributing to a more consistent level of performance. You do have players who are, are playing alongside each other, I think, are forming those connections that are very important. And I think it, in some cases, you are seeing an end product now that you weren't seeing before. When... For a number of reasons, whether it was the coach's own kind of decision to, to rotate frequently or more, I think, accurately with suspension and particularly injuries we've had because they haven't been as um, serious in recent weeks. I think that has obviously allowed Graham Potter the, the freedom to you know, stick with a, a set group of players that I think he's trusting now. And I think that in itself is a positive as we get closer to the Champions League game against Real Madrid where those connections, those kind of, that trusted set of players is going to have to be on point against a team as good as Real Madrid. So I was happy with that. I felt that the player who did come in, Christian Pulisic, I, I felt asserted himself well in the first half. I think he'd done a lot of things that impressed me. I think he was a lot more daring on the ball. He was committing men when he needed to because you do need players against a low block who are going to run at people and even if it did meant you know us getting a throw in sort of higher up the pitch, I think that, that was a good thing for Christian Pulisic it seemed to kind of go downhill after he got that brutal smack in the head from that ball from a free kick Um it was just I mean horrible I mean inside the ground you could hear it at the other end of the ground and I was a little bit surprised he stayed on the pitch for as long as he did um, but you know for Pulisic who hasn't played a lot of football recently I thought it was an all right performance and I felt that for the first 50 minutes I think Chelsea played really well I, I do I think that we against the team as I, as I said before the game going to play narrow going to congest going to play with one basically forward up front and it's going to be very basic in terms of the way they're going to try and get forward Um, Damari Gray was asked to do so much stuff on his own Andre Onana Adrisa Gay and um, Abdoulaye DeCore, you know very defensive minded midfielders meant that in an attacking sense Everton were not that proactive in the first half which allowed Chelsea to to really go at them and I felt that Enzo Fernandez, I'm just going to speak about Enzo because Enzo is my star of yesterday I mean he really is he's just such a delight to watch play football some of the passes he played just ridiculous it really was and it's just so enjoyable and and lovely to see that a player that Chelsea invested so much money on is already proving his worth and he just looks so confident and I think it is one of those things where if you can get down to the bridge and watch him live I think he is absolutely worth the price of admission because it's what he does off the ball that's as impressive as what he does on it or sort of Indicative of how sort of effective he is once he gets on that ball. He's always scanning, always moving, very effective and uh, has the picture in front of him. Some of the passes he played just on tried to unlock that defence. There was one in particular that just stood out where I think... I don't know if it was Felix or Havertz, one of the two. I think it was Draft Felix who who could have played a better pass um, that could have really, you know, got us through. If that was the case, I think that could have been an amazing guy. It really could have. And and there was just a nice in- intricacy, but it was always Enzo Fernandez involved. And that speaks to his growing influence in this team. And, uh, you know, particularly Vingolo Kante, now back fit. Very exciting to see those two play alongside each other. And um, yeah, to have him start to tick things and kind of, orchestrate things that's very important i think for what he is going to contribute and mean to this team this chelsea team in the future so again enzo fernandez you know two thumbs up just brilliant player and it was no surprise that when chelsea opened the scoring he was involved uh, because he was consistently involved in the game and and those key actions and those kind of key moments in the game it's no surprise that Enzo is, is a part of that and just offering things that we just have not had in this midfield for for so long and that you've got to cling on to that as a positive because you know he is a player that looks like Chelsea have they jumped the queue or, or kind of went there quickly to get him done and that looks like a very shrewd decision it really does in a vital part of the game We created some good opportunities in the first half. I felt uh, Drell Felix, you know, could have been a lot more decisive in his finishing. Got into some good positions and it looked again like he was going to have another night of frustration. Um, But I felt again on that left wing, particularly Ben well, just causing them all sorts of problems really was, you know, the overlaps, the rotations. I felt that the movement of of Drell Felix, of Kai Havertz, um, of even Christian Pulisic were, were opening things up and... Sure, you can be critical and harsh that we didn't create too many clear-cut opportunities and didn't test Pickford as much as you would have wanted to. But it's also unfair to kind of sit there after 45 minutes and go, we've done absolutely nothing and there's no sign we're going to score a goal. And it did feel like if that game continued in the same fashion, Chelsea would open a scoring. And that's exactly what happened after the break. Really, really smart finish from Felix at almost the edge of the box. Um brilliant that he finally hits the post but it goes in which is a bit of luck for him but he absolutely deserved it there's some absolutely lovely flicks and tricks in the first half It, it was it was just dazzling at times and um at times it does feel like the showboat and is it actually contributing to something effective but when it does contribute to something effective it is a game changer and is why many people i'm sure want to see us sign in permanently and what he could contribute to this side for the long term that is a conversation for another day and probably a big conversation to have in the summer for the chelsea hierarchy but there's no denying that since he's come in, he's offered more positives than negatives and getting those goals hopefully starts to increase those goals and end products in in the coming weeks. And, you know, Chirwell, the assist, no surprise he's involved in another goal. And Enzo Fernandez with the switch of play to Ben Chirwell. So it's no surprise that those two players have been, who have been integral to Chelsea's play were involved in that opening goal. But here's where my frustration begins because it was so abundantly clear that the only way Everton were going to get back into this game was route one football, particularly from set pieces. I said as much and it was no surprise that you have Fafana, Badiashile coming back in and Koulibaly as a, as a back three to try and add that height, add, add that physicality, aerial dominance, which is what you need. Um... The first goal was just, you know, it, it it's just so passive um, and it's just so frustrating to see a goal like that from a corner where I expect, you know, the first header I think we should be winning and then to see Decore so close to the goal. I know people have having a go at Kepa and I absolutely understand for both goals why people are having to go at Kepa and you want your, your goalkeeper to come on the area there. But I do think you can look at who's winning headers, who's winning first contact and second contact and being more alive when that ball comes into a dangerous area. Um, You know, when the keeper has decided not to come, I think it's being more assertive in that area and the fact that he was so free. Sometimes it is a little bit of fortune, right? You know, you can't be covering every single area. Um, And sometimes it is, you know, an unlucky deflection that drops to a player. And but from that range, I you know I don't, I don't I don't blame Kevin for not saving it from that range. I think you can have a go at him for not commanding his area, which we've always known has not been a strength of his as a goalkeeper. That's not we're not breaking new territory here by making that assessment of him. Um, but it allowed them into the game. The one thing I liked was that we responded, and it's something that I I said about Leicester last week when we we conceded the equalizer that we did respond to adversity, and I have seen evidence of that. Now that is a small thing because we didn't win the game, but to to respond in the way we did for Reese James, who just for me I, at times it was us not passing the ball. To, I I do have a go at Wesley Fofana a little bit because it didn't feel like he was being proactive enough to to hit the ball to Reese early when he was asking him to hit the ball to him early. There was a lot of times in the first half, particularly when Reese was below me, you know, heading to the Matthew Harding when we were shooting in that end, when Reese was making the runs and I think he wanted the ball sooner and Wesley Fofana was not passing him the ball. And but then, even when Reese got into those positions, I felt sometimes he was maybe going onto his left foot rather than going onto his right foot. Um, I think there was a balance between us not playing him in good areas, but then also him not crossing the ball sometimes. because uh, sometimes I even think if that ball's not going to hit a Chelsea shirt, if it's good enough, as we saw against Borussia Dortmund, if that ball is whipped in with such p- pace and the defender has to get ahead, you know, to head it away from the goal, sometimes if you've got bodies at the edge of the box, which we usually do. That's where you can get your goals from so i was a little bit frustrated that reese wasn't more proactive on the day of regularly trying to hit those crosses into the box uh with more venom because that, that was a bit maybe it was a tactic but it was it was frustrating to me that we didn't do that even if you you don't get the first contact i think maybe you could get second contact so that was that was a frustration to me the substitutions are where oh sorry so we get the penalty obviously just quickly to say that we get the penalty subs have already been made at this point i will get to the subs um it obviously it was a penalty it was nice to see Rees get inside the box very dangerous and Kai Habert's free and free now for him being proactive and productive in um March once again he loves this month and he loves the second half of the season it seems to be a thing in his career he seems to just improve at the business end which hopefully will mean some decisive moments in the Champions League that that's what we're hoping for against Real Madrid so it's good that Kai is is on the score sheet I didn't think it was the most amazing penalty I think if you're an Everton fan you are be looking at Pickford there going you know because it Kai does that kind of very slow run up and it was kind of a little bit surprising to me that Pickford kind of got done on it but luckily he did and for Kai I was criticizing his productivity a few weeks ago he's now scored three and three you cannot moan at that and I actually thought his overall game was positive as well i think you're seeing things in, in in his overall game a lot more positive a lot more impactful um i still think at moments he had a header in, in at the start of the second half that i think he could have been more clinical with where i think if he hits it anywhere else it's one of those classic ones if he hits it anywhere else i think we score still needs to be decisive in those moments but he's scoring you cannot moan at that so it's good for kai Havertz that he's back on the score sheet um, but here's where I have the problem. And I think it's where the subs come into play. Conor Gallagher comes on. Ruben Loftus-Cheek comes on. Fofana goes off for... I'm trying to think, was it Trevor Chalabar at this point? He So Fofana does come off. And I know that this is the one I want to say that I'm not blaming Graham Potter for. Because if he had fatigue, which is the, the, the reasoning given. But if there was a hamstring issue, I have no problem with trying to save a player. Because if he keeps that player on and Fofana gets injured it's one of those things right it's like if he keeps him on and he gets injured people start blaming graham potter for not keep for for not you know saving the players in um the fitness in that in that situation in my opinion i don't ever have a problem with the, with looking at a player and going we're going to you know sort of go for his fitness here because of the injury problems we've had and also looking at beyond the international break when you need him for that champions league game because we don't know when silver's going to be back fit so I have no problem with that yet. Sure, there is a cost to it because, you know, Wesley Fofana was our best defender yesterday and he has been for some time now, a few weeks. He's been in brilliant form. So saving him, I know it's of great frustration. My frustration with the subs is I just think they weren't as proactive as Sean Dyches, which is, you know, a bit of an insult given, you know, the the way Everton set up is that, you know, he brings on a striker, he brings on a a left wing back. I think it was as, you know, particularly uh, Sims who comes on and scores the goal that, that gets them a point. And particularly, this is where Mikhailo Mudrik comes into the fray again. I said as much against Leeds is that when you're defending a lead, I think this is when you use a player like Mikhailo Mudrik on the break with speed It felt to me like Chelsea played into Everton's hands. It became a very messy game in the last 10 minutes. Chelsea had no control of it. There was no balance within our play. It felt like Everton players were kind of allowed the initiative to almost get some dangerous space. I mean, it's again in a position where we saw against Leeds where a better team could create more there. They could. There was space in between our uh, back three and midfield that they were picking up. Um, that they eventually contributed to you know to their goal and yeah sure we're going to talk about individual mistakes but I just think Graham Potter there is a balancing act right because he's made similar subs in recent games and Chelsea have won the game and no one talks about the subs after no it was, in some cases we praise them like Conor Gallagher so I don't want to be a hypocrite and start turning around and going. All of the subs are completely awful, but I do think you are fair to say why can't there be a more proactive attacking sub in that situation rather than all of the subs kind of leaning more in we're holding on to a lead here. Um, does it speak to a lack of trust in his players? Does it speak to a guy who you know is just very much focusing on the result at the moment? But I think it, it it's counterproductive because I think it very naturally makes us sit deeper. It allows an opposition who didn't have the confidence in the first half to get forward to be proactive. And you have a young striker in teams who wants to take the opportunity. It does come down to an individual mistake, or well, two individual mistakes in a sense of Kanadu Koulibaly, an experienced defender, getting done like that. I just think it's awful when you're defending a lead at home and someone's got a one-on-one with your keeper. I just, I, I know it wasn't like a counter-attack, but the way how easily a defender of Koulibaly's quality got done there is really bad. And it's a setback for him because he's actually been good in recent weeks. But Really bad. Kepper should be doing better, but my frustration more is in that situation. I think I'm more critical of Kepper in the first instance than I am in the second instance, but I can understand if people were critical of him in both instances. I'm more looking at the defender there. And also the amount of space Mikalenko had to find that pass in the first place. Again, there was a structural problem. It seemed like Everton players in that final 10-15 minutes and maybe even a little bit before then were able to pick up areas of the park that were just too dangerous and uh they're they're a bad side this season they're still in relegation trouble but we still are talking about Premier League footballers and I expect a lot better and I don't expect a situation against a relegation threatened team again at home to see them at times outplaying playing us when I don't I just don't think the initiative was ever there for them to do that and I think we could have gone for a third and been more proactive and that in itself is is of great frustration and I think cost Graham Potter on the day but it is also about looking at individual mistakes and saying if we don't have those individual mistakes I I think we win the game but we don't win the game convincingly which is a problem for me because I think there was an opportunity there absolutely to score a third and maybe a fourth against a team who could have been run ragged and were being run ragged at times in that game so we can't wave a point and it, it dampens the mood uh quite a bit particularly at home again failure to beat a team we should be beating and we go into the international break feeling frustrated um I know that there's a lot of sort of it, it again he has. he's on a, a short, I guess, leash at the moment is probably the phrase I'd use in terms of Graham Potter. He doesn't have a lot of patience and that's understandable given the the, the bad results in recent months. But I can't sit here and deny that I, I'm seeing more things that make me enthusiastic about the team, make me positive about the team, individual performances. And when you have individual mistakes like that, I, you know, I think that it again goes to people that maybe we should be looking to replace in the summer. And then also just structurally, and in terms of bringing on players like Mikhailo Mudrik, who you've invested a lot of money into, why why can't you bring him on at that position? I just, I just don't understand it. Even if this is a guy who is still adapted to the Premier League, is short of match fitness, I don't see what 15 minutes is going to do to derail that progress, in my opinion. And it maybe would have given him the chance to score a goal and score a key goal in a game. So it's a game Chelsea should have won. Don't, you know, don't take, you know, it's a bad result. It is. And um, we know the league has been done, but it's just so irritating when people have been talking about this in the sense that if Chelsea would have won against Southampton and would have won against Everton yesterday and maybe some other silly results we've had this season, we could have been much closer to top four. But it shows how bad we've been, been this year. And, you know, I think for Graham Potter, he needs to, get those results going in the final period of the season. Because this is where I think, you know, this is the key point of the season where we're going to find out what the mood is going to be like going into the summer. Because we know the league's done, top four is gone now, but we still got the Champions League. We've still seen some good showings in recent weeks, but it's about getting that on a more consistent basis and um, trying to eliminate those individual mistakes that have been too prevalent this season at timely moments that have cost Chelsea. Those are my thoughts. Let me know yours in the comments below and I will see you again very soon. All the best.